The Tan Genetic Podcast is a mature-targeted podcast. It may contain content that is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to episode three of the Tan Genetic Podcast here with Ben, Seth, and Swoosh. Now, Seth, I heard recently, right, and I was just researching randomly, doing what I usually do, just finding random news articles as I scroll through Facebook, and I found one that once again China is cracking down and making people uh, under, what is it, 16 years and, and younger adhere to 14 hours of gaming a week during their winter break. Yeah, this isn't the first time they've done that. I feel yeah, they've like tried and failed a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, really, it's just a V... I, th- I think last time it was like a VPN and it stopped working. Yeah, they turned um, off the internet after they exceeded the gaming. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, it, it's such a... Like, I kind of get what they're trying to do. They, they don't want their entire generation being like, oh, we're addicted to games or phones or stuff. But it's such a weird, weird way to do it. It's because like they're using uh, Tencent, who are like I think they're the biggest company in China for video games, if I recall correctly. I find uh, hilarious just the idea that it's like, yes, we're going to have this you know mod- moderated by the people who make the most money from it. <laughs> this sounds yeah. like a great idea. But that's the thing. Tencent's very in line with the China government, which is why a lot of people don't like supporting products that are owned or heavily influenced by Tencent because you're essentially funneling cash to the China political party. Mm. So it's actually not that weird for a heavily government-attached body to be trying to enforce a government mandate on hours playtime. Oh, it's so, and it's for anyone born in 2003 onwards now. So they've extended it to that. So anyone who's 18 years old or younger, um, and now ten suck at younger generation. Ten cents getting a, a small funding from the government just to cover any losses that they have uh, in between, yeah. which wouldn't be much. But you can that's exactly how deep they are in the company's pockets. Um, mm. But a big reason it didn't work last time is because when it turned the internet off for the house, that meant all Wi-Fi. That didn't mean just the computers. That meant the phones. That meant anything connected to Wi-Fi was disabled after that gaming hour was reached. So little Timmy has streamed a bunch of Minecraft and ruined the entire house's internet for the night. Nice. <laughs> How is the mother going to watch Married at First Sight? Like, <clears throat> it's Oh, God, is that still a thing? So oh, yeah, maths are still going. <laughs> There was a chick from Maths, right? Uh, On uh, that's a show I've been watching lately. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. This is hello. This is Seth from the future. In this episode, we accidentally said Assistant Keith's actual name. So anytime you hear the following, Keith, that's just us editing out her name. Otherwise, on with the podcast. And I watch this every week just because it's trash TV. It requires no mental stimulation. You're gonna switch off, watch it, and just feel pathetic uh, just laying in your own filth and there was I a would chi- judge you but I've been watching Below Decks recently so oh, I can't judge how you good is there. Below Deck man it's amazing I love it so much it is just full of drama and stupidity it's rich people yelling at fucking deckheads I'm at the point now where I'm I'm waiting every week for the new episode to come out because I've watched Below Deck I've watched Below Deck Mediterranean I've watched Below Deck uh, there's three different Below Decks which once you realize this yeah. It there's one for yachting, there's one for mega yachts, there's one for the Mediterranean, and I'm slowly devouring all of it because I am oh, a man. consumer whore. But yeah, 
I don't think this is down Seth's alley, but if you just want to watch people on a boat get yelled at by a captain and sleep around, it's, it's pretty good. Oh, I look, have I pitched this one to Seth previously uh, in the last week. Yeah, I haven't got around to watching Below Deck yet, but I do intend to. I never thought we would but actually be talking. Means it's now going to start popping up in your Facebook. Because <laughs> that's what happened to me. Uh, I, that's how I found it. I was just scrolling through Facebook. Like, ah, this will be interesting. Watch a funny video. This is some more memes I can send to some people I, I want to annoy. And then blow decks. And I lost three bloody hours to clips. <laughs> for me, oh, that God was great For me, that was Jerry Springer. Oh, God. Actually, no, it reminds me of Jerry Springer on water some days. It's, oh, and now... Uh, they have a segment where they tell you you're not the father? <laughs> no, that's the reunion shows that happen at the end of each season. Yeah, um, that's a thing, probably. So, uh, Chinese Chinese um, video games are being limited, is what we were... <laughs> oh, right, we were talking about Chinese oh, video yeah, games. Yeah. Back from that tangent, let's get back on topic. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, that's a thing. That's, that's happening. Uh, I don't really expect it to do any better than it did last time, but, you know, the Chinese government's going to do the Chinese government thing. Well, They're just going to keep Chinese governmenting. Not only that, they've also suspended all gaming licenses for new video games coming into China until until the end of 2022. Yeah, and a lot of the studios in China are basically like, flip table, we out because of this thing. Because let's face it, their target demographic can't use their product. Pretty much. Yeah, it's ridiculous, hey. I mean, but... The most recent gaming uh, model has been mine children for money for a while now. I mean, it's a disgusting one, and we really need to stop that. Loot boxes need to get the fuck out of my games. Agreed. It's Every game is becoming more and more microtransactional now, though, and that's, that's a well, big issue. Like, both me and Seth went through uh, studying. I was doing a games animation, Seth was doing multimedia at a gaming college, and we watched the rise of microtransactions in real time and we hated every second of it yeah. but there's nothing you can do to stop it once the the base uh core users start accepting it or just ignoring that it's a problem it becomes a thing mm, absolutely well it's like, it, we can't get rid of it now it's there to stay it will never leave and it's well, becoming it, it's becoming the way to go uh it's it, yeah. more and more every day now a game for example a bit, huge example warzone right Free to play. Boom. Here's our biggest, biggest, uh, oh man, I've just lost the word for it. What type of game is it, man? This podcast, please play three balls 50. Yes. It is is the biggest uh, battle royale game in the world. And uh, Warzone were like, oh, sorry, Call of Duty Activision and that were like, no, you know what? Here, it's free. Have it. Because they knew they would make billions of dollars in skin like microtransactions for skins and weapon skins. Come yeah. on, let's face it, it. The group who made the skin economy a thing was Valve with CSGO. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, you want to have slightly more blue camo? Fucking go for it, son. Oh, 20 bucks. Do you yeah, want to open this? You, you played really hard. I'm going to give you a chest. Oh, you want to open it? How about $5 key? Oh, yeah, no, that was always the one that shitted me off the most. The buying the keys and you already have like 20 loot boxes in a inventory somewhere. It's, yeah, I looked on Marketplace because I'm like, how much do these chests go for? People just don't want to pay to open them. So they just sell them for like one cent each on Marketplace. 
Oh, the easiest way to kill any game is introduce hats. Thanks, Team Fortress. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Fortnite, Fortnite have capitalized on it. PUBG capitalized on it. It's it's the way to go. And I, I'll admit it, I'm hooked. Like I've been playing Pokemon Unite lately, and every time they release a new skin, it I'm just like, all right, there there goes my money. How much can I afford to put into this? To the point where now it's become a conscious thought in my budget how much I'm going to spend on games this month, especially with microtransactions. That makes sense. I mean, like, they do the League of Legends thing where you can just buy a skin outright for, like, X amount of money, right? Well, apart from what we spoke about in the first episode where the thing Pokemon are doing separately, which uh, a lot of people don't pick up on if they're just happy to chuck the, the money in the game for gems, is that Pokemon skins average around $20 uh, all the way up to $70, whereas League of Legends, the maximum one is like $35. That hurt my soul. Yeah. But I need it. So Actually, You want to talk about soul hurt? Let's talk about, was it, um, ooh, what's the spaceship one where you can buy a ship for like 30 grand? Oh, uh, fucking Star Citizen. Yeah. That one. So How I'm, is that a thing? It, you know what? I completely support it. Um, I, I know Chalk does as well, but Chalk spent probably ten fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 more than I have in there. I think I have my my ship hanger is probably around eight grand, um, and you got in early though, and you got like a bunch of cheap stuff. Yeah. So, Whereas now you, I, I understand the idea of getting a capital ship for a large amount of money and paying into the game through the ship as opposed to a game. That's an interesting idea. The issue I have is where they started. Just that was the game then. Um, they, their guys only churned out ships to make more money, to churn out more ships, to make more money, to churn out more ships, to make more money, and just keep going. It's I don't, no, no. The bad one is the forty-five thousand dollar collector's pack of every ship that you can only buy if you've already spent ten grand. Yep. Yep. Yes, that and the concept ships that aren't guaranteed to be in the game. Yep, I have a ship, uh, and a few of my friends have a ship that we bought probably about a year ago. Um, it mm. was in design phase at that stage. Uh, it's still in design phase. Um, and we are not sure when it hasn't even entered testing phase yet, so we're predicting probably another year or two, at least. But all in a game the, that isn't a game yet. But the the good thing about it, I guess, from that perspective, is uh, that once it does get released, if I do want to sell it, it would be easily triple to quadruple the price. Well, that's at least some kind of resale value. Yeah. It all depends whether the game takes off well enough when it does come out because people like me are very really you've nickel and dime your player base for god how long has this game been out? I don't even been in early access. I don't remember when friggin' Star Citizen started. We were but back it's in been years, around so easily 10 years. Yeah. Oh god, let me look it up. I, uh, anyway, but like, I get what you're saying about having to budget in for games each week, though. Like, if there's a game you enjoy, you kind of have to keep putting money to it. You really do, like, hey. And even yeah. if it gives you nothing out, like, even if it gives you nothing out of it, but the satisfaction of having a cosmetic appearance. Like, I used to play a lot of Overwatch with Angry and a few other mates, and it was always, um, <laughs> like, we spent a lot of time just doing basic pug fights just to get a skin. Like, I'm talking a good 20 hours in, like, two days, like, spending it just on that bloody game, trying to get, you know, a new skin for Winston. And I don't even play Winston! Oh, it's like, there's something about Overwatch as well, right? Opening those chests, 
something really zen about it. Like they just pop out nicely. It looks really good. But that's the whole point of them. They're supposed to yeah. do the slot machine. Uh, lots of noise, lots of pretty colors. Hey, you got a thing. You're awesome. They release the dopamines, and that's what I need. That's they're it. an absolute Skinner box button. Hell, they are perfectly designed off a Skinner box because there's the hope you'll get what you want. Yeah. I'm gonna, insidious as shit. I'll ask you a question, right? So if you were both put a number, think of a number. How much money went through microtransactional mobile games in 2020? Oh, it's something. Oh, that's in the fucking like high millions, guaranteed. Oh, I'd say easily into billions. Yeah, dude, it's like one of the big, like the mobile microtransaction market is. If you look at it, core gaming sales are nothing compared to the casual mobile market. So, what would you? If I said, "Give me a number," what would you give me? I don't know. I'm going to say the the high nine hundred million at the very. I'm going to go seven billion. Seven billion. $101.6 $101.6 billion. Yeah, there you go. Ooh. It's stupid. Core gaming has nothing on mobile. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, it's, you know, why? And, and also, most of the games on mobile that uh, are these microtransactional games aren't even well developed. No, no. They don't developed. need to be. I, I mean, like, hell, uh, Fruit Ninja saved a company. Yeah, yeah they did. We had friends on that design team who still actively do updates for that game, and it's it saved their jobs. I think that would be a, a global financial crisis. I think we should have her on as a special guest one episode. Oh yes, I I really want to hear her um, view on how that went because from what I've heard, it was this will be a fun game, and then it just launched. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, they did not expect the success. As far as I understand, they've also spent like the rest of their time since making Fruit Ninja pretty much trying to rebottle the lightning again and never quite landing yeah. it. It's I, I'd but say it's hard. When you try and bottle lightning, you never get it again. It's very hard to rebottle that kind of stuff. Just don't try and just do something new that works. I'd say with a game like that, right? Like I, I personally haven't. I tried it once. I've tried it twice, you know. And then for the short amount of time that I've seen it at arcade places, where you actually have that big screen that you have to slice the fruit mm. on, like mm. I, I don't know. I just, I, I personally didn't see the appeal. I can see people who can because it's very addicting and it keeps your hands fidgeting and whatnot. But I, I mean, microtransactions on it though, I, I don't understand. I mean, originally, it was just a dopamine uh, thing, which was like, do the stuff, get the dopamines, go back to doing what you're normally doing. Uh, the VR version was actually surprisingly fun. I enjoyed that. But that was most because I was flailing like an idiot in space, uh, thinking I was seeing fruit. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, microtransactions wow, in general, holy, like, what's your take? Because I know you don't like it, Seth. You don't like micro, but guaranteed you've still spent a fair bit. Okay, okay. Here's the thing. Microtransactions I'm really not that okay with because microtransactions generally don't give you anything. Generally what I would consider worth it. Um, When they keep it to things like skins and stuff like that and the price isn't too high, I don't mind that. And I, I mean, as I've mentioned before, I play Warframe. I understand that somewhere cash has to change hands. You can't have high quality free games that aren't, paid for in some way is it going to be ads is it going to be microtransactions is it going to be what to me it's all about the content for money when you go give me 15 bucks for this and i go okay so what do i get uh you get to look pretty uh i'm sorry man that's too much for nothing 
If on the other Bitch, hand, I am go, already pretty. Try again. <laughs> I know, right? So if you go 15 bucks and I get a good amount of different things, I'm not that bothered by it. Uh, I don't really hate DLC that much. It's just cut down expansion packs. And I bought expansion packs back in the day where if you wanted an expansion pack, it had to be worth 40 bucks and be able to be on a store shelf and in a pretty box. Yeah. So I'm not that bothered about getting more content more often than I pay only 10 bucks for, but I want the content. My back issue is we had to leave the house to get new content. I know, right? Jesus Christ, leaving the house to get more games. I mean, um, what nonsense is this? I know, right? But EA. Yeah, so to me, hmm? like EA Sports alone last year made eight hundred million dollars in microtransactions just in their sports division. Yeah, that's because that they, pioneered the, they pioneered loot boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Loot boxes are still... They're in legal battles in the States. They've been in legal battles in the States since 2017. They've been trying to make well, loot battles... They a fight with a country about, about loot boxes. Like, yeah. They took on a country thinking it was just a random like, family group, which I really, really loved. They're like, oh, it's just some small group. No, it was Germany. Germany was saying, you know what? Nah. I was about to say that. Because Germany has banned any games that contain loot boxes. Yep. It's gambling. Yeah, it's for the it protection is. of youth, um, protection of youth act or something like that. That they've so they fully banned loot boxes and they're trying to completely ban any gambling game or microtransactional game. Does that include Pokemon? Because I remember I remember playing slot machines in Pokemon. Well, yeah, I guess, uh, yes, I guess it, it would. does. Uh, German versions of the Pokemon game do not contain the uh, Pokemon Arcade. Yeah, what do you know? That's that's ridiculous. Like, I, I get it. I completely get it, and I sort of like it because, you know, we shouldn't... We, we've got places to go and gamble. Having the ability to gamble on our phones like we do now is, is sure, like, you, you'll download a Pokies app and you'll be like, I'm actually gambling, I'm playing Pokies, but then you'll be like, I've got to put money in now to get more fake to get more fake money. And then all I this... so far avoided that uh, entirely, and I don't know how I've done it. I think I just get distracted too easily, where I'm like halfway to downloading a gambling app, and then it's like, you know what? Oh, that looks like fun, and just distracted away from it. Well, my low attention span has saved my wallet so many times. It's amazing. I think now being busy and intentionally staying back at work has saved me money, because I'm not looking at microtransactional apps on my phone. So I'd say it's definitely... You still spend the same amount of time crying, though. I mean, Oh, it's... 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... Yeah, no. So microtransactional I, yeah. games are now... So 70% of our gaming, our video game industry, is now microtransactional. That, that honestly I, makes me sad. My, my, if I had a soul, it would cry. But we knew it was coming. We've seen it coming for years. Uh, and I don't think it's going away. It would take an entire boycott to get one company to go, okay, maybe we won't do this. It's a cash well, it, cow, and cash cows it, don't go away. It's already starting to be like a big thing for a company to step out and go, there are no loot boxes. But yeah. like, the, mean, Hell, we had to get written statement. confirmation from EA to say there will be no microtransactions in their new Star Wars game because we don't trust them. I yeah. No one trusts them anymore. They released um. They, so when they re-released COD Four, which was still my favorite Call of Duty of all time, the original Modern Warfare, 
Um, they, you know, the first release, of course, no microtransactional games. You played for the level ups. You played to unlock skins by completing missions. Uh, it was just your typical first-person shooter game that you'd play and not have to spend an extra cent on. They they re-released Modern Warfare Call of Duty 4 on Steam as a remastered edition. Everything was microtransactional. Yeah, it it, it just took. Speaking of games that have no microtransactions. God of War is finally on PC. Yes, yes it is. Dad of Boy exists on PC. Yes, let's get off of this really depressing topic. I don't yeah, otherwise we will be sad forever. <laughs> no, so God of War, PC, great release. No microtransactions, by the way, and no loot boxes. Yay! <laughs> so you don't have to pay $20 to get but, a box that might have a new axe in it or a new boy. But what about the tattoo? <laughs> How do I get a tattoo? Uh, you mean the one that actually defines the character and has been on his body for the entire franchise of, what, seven plus games before this one? <laughs> Pretty much. I want, the the, the I want a new fur coat, though, Seth. How do I get a new fur coat? I have to pay for it. No, you craft it in-game like a normal person who what? actually plays fucking video games. Um, so it's, it's, throw it, an axe at a snake for God knows how long. It's great, it's a great <laughs> game. Just throw an axe at a giant world snake and hope it doesn't eat you. <laughs> so but it's a great point the it actually runs incredibly well it runs very well on my computer which is full of fun tech because i keep it up to date and my housemate's computer that's a bit more old school although i think his graphics card's still a 1080 it still runs like butter it's so good the it's got it multiple it's got multiple graphic settings it actually doesn't make his computer screen when yeah. you set it to original mode which is how it looked on the playstation his like you can hear a sort of rev up a little bit, but not like or anything like that. So it's actually really stable, really good. It looks amazing, plays well. I like being able to play it with an Xbox controller, not a goddamn PlayStation controller, which my hands don't like. I do yeah. miss the beefy Xbox controllers. They were great. Oh, the Dukes. Oh, I've uh, got one of those around here somewhere. Yeah. Like, you know how we always had a Nintendo 64 controller, right? And and it had the three prongs, like the three legs, mm. and we always thought it was normal. I mean, how? How is it normal? No, the, everything about that controller was an alien. I don't know how we got through an entire console generation being like, they yeah, were a I weapon. can pick this up. They were terrifying. They caused pain. You sat there for like three hours playing a game. I remember playing Donkey Kong uh, 64 or something, and it's just like halfway through, like, my hands hurt. Why do my hands hurt? Like, oh, right. I'm using this monstrosity. And nothing about this was designed for human hands. It was made by the lizard people for lizard people. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. And yet, as you say, we all used it. We all were okay with it. And now I get one controller that's like, it makes my hands dip in. I'm like, rage quit. To be fair though, did we get used to it? Or was it just Stockholm Syndrome for, uh, you know, we bought into it by that point. We had no money back then. Like, well, I paid my money. I'm in here for the long haul now. Hands, you better get used to this pain. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me either. Because, you know, back then... Like, I bought lots of consoles as an adult, but back when I was a kid, you were lucky to get one, and you better make that sucker last. I disagree with one part of that statement, and it's that you're an adult. You know, I never... One thing I never had was a GameCube. I didn't get that one. Yeah, I just during that generation. During that cycle, I was an Xbox kid, so... 
PlayStation. It had the Ratchet and Clanks, therefore it was my favorite. Yeah, I, I never played um, them all later. Like the because well, one of the we'll get into this in a sec, but one of the uh, the Pokemon games that was released, one of the really first close up third person Pokemon games was released on GameCube. Oh, that weird one that's supposed to be like really wicked difficult because it's not very fair. Yeah, but was that the fighting one? It was no, um, the, the Shadow Tamer or something. Colosseum. Oh, yeah, Colosseum. Yep. Oh no, that's that not the one I'm thinking. That, that Colosseum was on sixty-four. Okay, it wasn't Colosseum. Uh, there were multiple versions of Colosseum. One was on sixty-four. There was a re-release, but I don't think it was the Cube. It was the one that came no, no, after. Th- there was a third-person one that was on GameCube. Uh, yeah. and it was really good. And they've called. never made one since. Was it uh, Gale of Darkness? That sounds right. It, I'm pretty sure it had some kind of weird darkness. Yeah, Pokemon XD. Pokemon XD. Be a Pokemon yeah. game. So Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness released uh, back in 2005. Uh, it, it, it was sounds like Pokemon had an edgy phase. It was like, one of the topic and made a new game. It was one of the uh, <laughs> the cool early releases, like first time you would have seen it of of Shadow Lugia, which it was like a mecha Shadow Lugia. It was amazing. Um, but they like they. I really enjoyed that because I enjoy those type of third person games where you can run around the map and whatnot. But now we've got it's such a bird's eye view still. Even in the new games, I still see it as a, like a really big bird's eye view. I think you mean Pidgey eye view. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well played, Swish. Well played. Well. <laughs> well, I guess this is why you're so excited for Arceus, isn't it? Because we're I? finally going third. We're getting something new. Where do you I reckon? I swear to God, that's only because they're scared of what is coming out. Temtem has put the fear of God into Pokemon for once. There's yeah. a competitor. Digimon's been crying in the background for years. There's actually something to fight them now. Right. It's, it's, it's going to fight them too. It's it's really good. If you've never heard of Temtem or played Temtem, you really should fix that if you like Pokemon games. Because you just started playing that. Hey, Swoosh, what do you think so far? I think that there's, was it seven islands in total? Um, Each one of those islands is the size of a Pokemon game. It's amazing. that far. They're fucking huge. They're massive things. And the first route felt like an actual challenge. There's no hand-holding. Like, I love Pokemon as a franchise. It's, It's great fun. But I'm all I want is a button saying, this is not my first rodeo. I know what I'm doing. Please don't treat me like I'm five and I'll be happy. And that's what Temtem is. So you know what? You know what you're doing. There's a there's a thing. There's a monster to go play with. Uh, off you go. Have fun. And I have had so much fun. Does- I accidentally <laughs> chose the wrong starter and it became the first region was a slog. Like it was hard to get through. But it was so rewarding when I'd get like three trainers forward, like right, I have to go back to a, a Pokemon. I have to go back to a, a healing center now. Run back, and then venture back out. It took forever, but I loved every second of it. I mean, there are actual challenges. Pokemon? They're not like Pokemon trainers in a Pokemon game are road bumps. They're not there to actually challenge you. They're just an EXP dispenser. Yeah. And while I would say the same thing about the the trainers in Temtem, you feel like you earn that EXP, but like you get like triple EXP from trainer battles, but it feels like you earn the triple EXP. Like the first dojo, which is their version of gyms, is like mostly electric and I think water types or something similar. Yeah. Um, and all of my stuff was 
just horrible against electric because all you find is flying types, nature types, and uh, my starter was psychic and flying. So it, took, it copped like a, a times two modifier against everything it was hit with. So I just eventually had like these two Pokemon which had been beefed up to level 25 just by trying to survive for so long to power through. And I got through by the skin of my teeth. I haven't had that in a Pokemon game since I was a kid. Like, this got down to the last Pokemon on 5 HP. Yeah. And like, that's pretty consistent. I'm up to the third island on this playthrough, and it, it doesn't stop being like that. I'm still getting to big fights and being like, oh, God, that was my last Temtem, and it nearly died. Jesus okay, Christ. I'm buying it. <laughs> yeah, we finally got you. Well... We did uh, it. Look, look, I'm not going to make you buy it, man. But it, honestly, if you like the gameplay of Pokemon, but you want something that's going to require your brain to function, yes, tempt him. Seth wants Also, you. it's cross-platform, which means I can annoy the crap out of Seth from my PlayStation while he's on his computer. Once yes. you've made the sale, stop selling. Nah. <laughs> Fight me. Buy more things. The... <laughs> The only downside I have is there's a lot of... Because you can customize your character, there's like the uh, places you can get new costumes and new clothing and stuff. And there's things I want to buy, but they're all really expensive. That makes me sad. That's because they've just... It, it's because it's got that sort of like online MMO connectivity. Yeah. You, know, you, can, you can queue for like competitive battles at any time while you're playing the game and just wait to get connected and then it'll whisk you away to the fight. So, you know, you're supposed to do that sort of stuff and, you know, get money and things like that. And then there's systems within the game to make money as well. But you're also probably only going to want, like, two or three things at the start. So if you just sort of play the game, you're going to get a reasonable amount of cash. It's installed. there eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Look, I get you were buying it. I wasn't expecting you to be like, and I'm installing it now. And (laughs) I'm I'm out of here, guys. Tune in for next podcast where <laughs> Ben tells us how much he fucking hates Temtem. <laughs> I was, dude, so when it first came out and I saw all these streamers were like, yeah, we're going to play it. I'm like, guys, this is such a wannabe Pokemon. Like, why do not let this thing become something? Like, just do not. I, I will agree that it is. it was wannabe Pokemon. And then they realized like halfway through development, like, you know what? All the people who love Pokemon have been asking for these features for like years and Nintendo's just been laughing on that pile of money. Uh, let's just do that thing. So can, we got all the stuff we wanted. If you go back and you look at the original roadmap documents to Temtem, they were actually pretty forward looking on what they were going to do. It was just that they quickly realized that they needed to do more work in different areas. So they sort of mm. changed it around and then they went, okay, we're scrapping the whole roadmap. Use the roadmap more as a features we're going to implement because we've got to flesh out pieces and make it work better. That's why I'm glad I took a big break from it and came back when I did when they put out The Last Island so I can finish the entire plot campaign and just have an absolutely ballin' time with this thing. Yeah, it's it's almost done. They've only got a couple features to go. It's yeah, seriously. Anybody listening, if you like Pokemon, seriously, you will like Tentem. Like there is the cross. The Venn diagram is basically just a circle at this point. There is the crossover is all of it. It's great. Yeah. All right. So uh, and then we go. We head into I guess um, swoosh. We've heard you over the last yeah. few days, mate, and and you've 
even last week, you were like, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. Around the world in 80 days. What's the hype? Yes. Tell me about it. It is really fun. Well, A, it has David Tennant as a, uh, a main person that's uh, Phineas Fogg. And it's the basic around the world in 80 days thing. There's a wager that's made to get around the world in 80 days using modern conveniences and that kind of thing. And, of course, one guy who is a dick is trying to stop him doing that. Uh, but the way it's been written and the way that it's been acted with uh, Passport 2 and the uh, David Tennant's character and they brought a chronicle along with them, it's so much fun. Uh, there's points where they get, you know, waylaid in other points and you, you actually sit there going, what's going to happen? I was actually invested in these characters, which, whilst I love the uh, the Jackie Chan movie, it didn't quite capture the original novelizations and that kind of stuff, which I read growing up and that kind of stuff. But this new one with just a David Tennant being David Tennant and some other great actors popping in worth a watch, like absolutely amazing. First season is completely self-contained. It can stop where it is, um, but they have left it also open to go new adventures and we're going to do stuff over there now. And I'm keen to see if there is more, like I'd be very happy to watch more of it. So you've, so how many, there's only one season out so far. Only one season so far. And they do, uh, they go through the entire first bet, which is around the world in 80 days. And it looks like it's one of the actual top rated TV series on IMDb so far. So it's yes. definitely something Seth and I are going to have to add to our list if we haven't already. Oh, yeah. It is worth it. Um, the writing is well-paced. I never felt like it was a, um, a slow lead-in or anything. Everything just kind of hit those points perfectly. Uh, like I cannot recommend it more highly at the moment. It kept my attention for a very long time. I binged a lot of it, so... I probably would have actually checked this out sooner if I'd known it was a TV show, because I remember you mentioning it, and I've only ever known Around the World in 80 Days as a movie. Yeah. So like, I, thought I originally thought it. it was a movie again, and then I found it as a series. I'm like, oh, okay, let's see how this goes. First Yeah, when you said in, that, I'm I... like, this movie, this, no, that movie's been out for like 15 years. Yeah, no, I finished the, uh, the first episode, like, yeah, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on this one, I'm all in. But it was great because... The characters have been modified a bit. So uh, Phineas Fogg is a failed adventurer who makes the bet out of spite. And I kind of, I I get that. I do a lot of things out of spite. That makes sense to me. Um, so I understand his motivation in that. Uh, but yeah, no, good fun. Tell me without telling me, did they get around the world in 80 days? They did, in fact, do the thing. If you have seen the um, the old movie, the Jackie Chan, um, other one, I only mention him because he's the only character, the only actor I find of note in that movie. Uh, but they hit all the same kind of basic points. Uh, it's okay. the same story because it's uh, just one of those old things that's been going for years and years and years, um, recycled because it's in public domain. But yeah, it's. They do make the entire circuit. There's drama. There's fun stuff. Uh, it's good. Hell yeah. Cannot recommend highly. It's, it's fun. Perfect. So around the world in 80 days, we're going to add that to our TV shows of the of the week to recommend to you guys. Uh, Seth, what have you been watching this week? 
Oh, look, the big one I've been watching this week has been The Righteous Gemstones because they just started season two. Yeah, I love that show. It, I like, will watch anything John Goodman, but at the same time, that show on its own is amazing. I know, right? So for like anyone who doesn't know, uh, it's basically kind of a send-up on megachurches. The idea is that the Gemstone family run one of the largest megachurches in the, in the U.S., and kind of all the really dumb bullshit that the family gets broiled in. The All the kids are jackasses. Spoiled little shits. Yeah, like they are. Like the one of the guys, the, the youngest one, he's just this like absolute spoiled kid. Like he's been given the, the youth arm of the gemstone brand. So he does all these like, I'm hip and cool things. And it's so dumb. Although he's got the best entrance, like this, this is in episode one of season two, so I don't personally consider it much of a spoiler. His new project is this thing called the God Squad, which is literally just a bunch of ultra jacked dudes in like old Arab looking gear, just standing around like flexing. And it, it, it's like, what the fuck is this guy's plan with this? I don't understand. The other thing is, like, the um, actors they have in it are, like, Danny McBride and John Goodman and Adam Dever- uh, Devine, who is the um, the youngest. And they could not have done a better job casting for, like, the spoiled little shits. Oh, no. They're, 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 all the characters are absolutely nailing whatever vibe they're supposed to have. Again, like, I would have never thought of Goodman playing a preacher, but, man... Selling an evangelical preacher, dude, fucking nails it. Actually, Absolutely. I went in that with a predisposition simply because I watched um, a lot of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou as a kid because it's one of my dad's favorite movies where he plays a Bible salesman um, who just kind of kicks the shit out of the, the main character and wanders off. Uh, so he's playing the same character. So you can see him dig into that Southern character again. I'm like, I love this. This is what I liked. Yeah. This is my childhood, John Goodman. And this is great fun. But, he works uh, so well as that like head of a family. Cause he's got that nice calm attitude. And then it's like, you little shit. I'm going to end you. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I, I can't really describe too much about the show without spoiling it. And I could spoil some season one, but I think enough people haven't seen it that I would rather recommend people go and check out the whole first season's out. They just started season two. They're only three episodes in. So it's a good time to like jump on the train. If you haven't seen it before, it's great show. Absolutely. It's not one of these things with like, like lots of action, lots of shooting and all that kind of stuff, Hmm. but it's definitely loads of character drama and it just flows around and it's really, really fun. Actually, speaking of series that not a lot of people in at least Australia know about, um, but is wonderful. Letterkenny. Like, Letterkenny? Have you not? Have we not forced you to watch Letterkenny? Yet? Letterkenny? Letter. No, letter. L e t t e r. Oh, letter. Uh, wow, because I I just googled Letterkenny and uh, you're going to find a lot of porn that way. Yeah, uh, that's I mean, Keith. There's a way for a while, but <laughs> with. Uh, with Letterkenny, it is a Canadian uh, show, which is like a small hick town full of um, like farmers, hockey players, and drug addicts, and those three groups interacting. And it is one of the best shows for banter I have ever heard. 
this was a YouTube channel that eventually got piloted and made into a show. And once you get used to their slang, holy hell, are they funny? So it looks, like, oh yeah, because yeah, so it would have been streamed, of course. So I guess being on YouTube first, Hulu would have picked it up, and it's sort of rocketed on Hulu. Yeah, yeah, right. We'll have to have a look at it, uh, and and there's I'm guessing seven that seven or eight seasons out there now. Uh, they're short, short seasons, seasons. very short, so you can binge them in like a single night. Um, but they are great. All the characters I love. Like the first episode of the first season is. The easiest way of putting it is it's just called the toughest guy in Letterkenny. And it's the main character once again trying to claim his title as the toughest guy in Letterkenny. And it's great fun. The first episode is like, I think, no, the first episode is something else, but the second episode is three fights. And they have basic fight choreography down to a science. Like, so- there's, he knocks a guy out and halfway through the, the ending blow switches directions to grab the uh, the cigarettes in his pocket and start having a smoke. <laughs> I love that stuff. It's great. It's like I all those, love it. It's like those Kung Fu movies. Oh, yeah. man. But it's one of those things where anyone I talk to, I eventually force it on them because it's a great show. I think Seth originally forced it onto me. But it was... Once you start watching, you can't stop. It's Pringles for yep. TV. Yeah. So I guess um, a show I've been really invested in this week uh, is actually so it's on Netflix at the moment um, and it, it's called Blind Spot. Blind um, Spot. I don't know this one. Blind Spot. Yeah, actually, so Blind Spot's your classic, you know, your classic uh, CSI NCIS type crime show mm-hmm. where every episode there's a new twist or new crime committed. However, uh, the the, sh- the show starts with uh, this chick in a bag, and there's people. They think the bag's a bomb, essentially, but they open the bag, and this chick comes out. This chick is covered head to toe in tattoos, and she doesn't remember a single thing because of drug. Like she's been drugged, um, and every tattoo leads to an episode of crime that that goes beyond government crime, like high level government official crime, uh, deaths, like gang mm. mafia, everything, and they all relate it back to the tattoos on her body, which uh, some of them I'm like, there is no way, like, it's now at the point where I'm like, whoever is behind tattooing this chick must be higher than the president at this stage. So what I'm hearing is, is, it reminds me of like a a combination of the blacklist and uh, what was that one where they were breaking a guy out of prison with a... Prison break? (laughs) Prison break. Yeah, no, I'm Bethel. But when, um, yeah, they've merged those two ideas together. That sounds like fun, actually. I might have to look into that. So our assistant, Keith, uh, actually said that. She's like, this show's becoming more and more like Blacklist. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. I like Blacklist. It was good. Yeah, I I like Blacklist. Well, I'm I'm keen because there's another season. Mm, Yes. I mean, like, it's, you you know, you find out, well, who is he? Oh, we finally find out who he is. Or do we? I don't care at this point. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, it's not about who he is anymore. It's just like, I like watching this show. I like watching James Spader be James Spader. Oh, he's so good. At the, like, he is in his element. I want him as a, like, more of a villain than things. He plays a villain. Like a comedic villain. character very well. He does it perfectly. Speaking I can of, see him in like a Sherlock Holmes kind of setting. Speaking of villains, mm. how do we feel about Bill Murray being a villain? In what? So, uh, oh, I just saw the ad. Sorry, Bill Murray uh, is joining the Marvel universe as, really? as a villain 
in the new Ant-Man movie. Is he just playing I mean, Bill Murray? Because uh, that would be a thing <laughs> I'd watch. I mean, he's a curmudgeonly type of guy, so it's really not as big a stretch as you think it is. So he's... Um, uh, here we go. Bill Murray confirms villain role in Ant-Man 3. Who I, is he playing? I've never seen him... Like, I don't think in any movies, really, he's been a really demonic villain, but apparently... Uh, even he said in an interview uh, that this is the first time he's been able to bring out this personality of him on camera. Yeah, there's a lot of reports of him kind of being an asshole off camera. It sounds more like someone finally went, oh, all those times you were a dick to people? How about we put you on camera for that? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also one of those things where there are certain char- uh, certain actors who are typecast as the comedy and funny guy, and then you see something where they're playing a, uh, like, dramatical or proper role and it's actively terrifying um the biggest one for me was oh god my brain's just gone completely dead because i'm trying to recall one specific thing recall off searching recall uh, ah, 24-hour photo um robin williams ah uh, uh, robin williams yep robin williams oh, 24-hour yeah. photo was magnificent I yes. love it. But the entire time you sit there going, when's he, when's he going to say something funny? Why is he not being the funny man? And that kind of screws you over more in that movie. I, like, I think that makes that movie work better. Is yeah. If you know who Robin Williams is and you want him to be Genie or Bicentennial Man or yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire or any of these other roles where he's a good person, not this fucking weirdo. Well, I mean, Robin Williams, that's not the only one. So if you actually, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but in 2002, he was in Insomnia. Yes. And where he's a villain in that and he's not yeah. he's not funny at all. Like, And you've got other comedians like, you know, Danny DeVito who plays the villain in Batman Returns and doesn't release a single joke throughout the whole thing. I mean, the whole movie is a joke, but... Yeah. Uh, Although, uh, was it Ron Williams also was in two episodes of SVU, which were great. Like, he he was substantially creepy in those episodes. Well done. Um, Then there was Jim Carrey in the number 23, I think it was, or 21, something like that. I Um, really liked Jim Carrey when he did serious stuff. That one I enjoyed. It was a bit different. Uh, But I haven't watched a lot of his more serious stuff. He did not... He wasn't very good when he was uh, the Riddler in Batman Forever. None of those villains. Actually, no, I take it back. Um, Mr. Freeze. Spot on, perfect. Yep. More Schwarzenegger, please. Um, actually, no. Aging Schwarzenegger in any movie I find hysterical at the moment. I love him to death. Uh, before we get to our spoiler alert of the episode, it's time for a game, I think. No oh God. Now, now, Swoosh, we have our resident gaming expert, Seth, in the building. Yes. Now, we're going we're gonna to play a little game here. I've got four descriptions, and I want you to okay. guess what game they relate to. Okay, Jesus Christ. All right. Ready? I mean, as much as I can be. <laughs> All right, description one. A, just cut in when you think you know the answer. A dangerous parasite that mimics other creatures is slowly infecting the remote alien planet ZDR. Pray. Hey? Pray. No! My Little Pony Adventure. So the Galactic Federation dispatches a company of state-of-the-art robots to investigate and contain the outbreak. The art robots to contain the outbreak. Yep, Alien Planet ZDR. 
I haven't heard of that one. Metroid Dread. Oh. Wow. All right. My, my yeah, brain no work. That, that, that is the whole plot of that game. I I played that recently. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like that description is is it's like the preamble for the game. Yeah. It, it's set up. <laughs> it's actually the scroll text from the first. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, it is. It's literally the 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 basically just like quick plummet through. I want to play Samus bit of the game. Um, All right, here we go. Next one. The espionage story stands uh, as the highlight, thanks to its surprising twists and turns. Hang out with Raz and his gang of old favorites and fun newcomers. Oh, um, uh, Psychonauts 2. Yep, there we go. Uh, Last one. You got it immediately when you said Raz. (laughs) All right, last one. Facing overwhelming odds against over 20 enemy types, each designed with their own intelligence to ambush, outsmart, and eviscerate vulnerable marines. Ooh. Brain, function gooder. Over 20 types. Over 20 enemy types. It's the new one. Um, We've played it together, Swoosh. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's Fireteam. Yes, it is. Alien Fireteam. Yeah. Yeah. I was was trying to be like, (laughs) were there 20? And then I'm like, oh, yes, there's the bit of the game that I didn't talk about that's full of all the extra ones to get into 20. So it's not bad. Like you've got your game knowledge down, Pat. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll come up with better games to really test your knowledge. Look, look, the thing with uh, with Metroid is the first bit is you know a remote uh, station complex where uh, aliens are turning into stuff. That's literally the opening for Prey. Oh, true. <laughs> so I'm like, it has to be Prey. <laughs> All right, moving on to our spoiler alert episode. Before we do, do you have anything you've read this week that you want to give a quick shout out to? I would really like to tell people that I looked into it and there's a lot more Black Ocean out than I thought there was. There's the original Galactic Outlaws, which is like 16 novels, and then there's two more entire sets which compromise about 25 more novels. Oh, I'm so <laughs> happy to have more Black Ocean to read. It's so good. Although I'm under the first follow-up one um, and it's following, I won't say character names and things because you know, minor spoilers, uh, but it's called Astral Prime, and it follows some stuff from the, the the first series, and it's so good. It continues to be a strong series with wonderful characters, good use of their magic system. Ah, it's it's excellent. I am looking forward to reading all of these novels. That's probably the only thing I want to signal boost. There's more <laughs> Black Ocean. <laughs> I have been a lazy bitch for reading for a while now, but I will say that if you want something fun, uh, which is only about five books long, it's a relatively shorter series. The Codex Alara stuff is amazing. The you know, elevator pitch is in the world where everyone has access to elemental powers. Not just one as well. It's not just you know, Avatar where it's earth, water, air, or fire. You could have all of them if you have enough power in your, your blood. But in that world, there is one guy who has none of it. He is unpowered in a powered world, and he is their main protagonist. Yeah, right. It is a very interesting series. It's well-written and has some amazing heart to it and some really funny bits. Uh, I don't want to give away anything apart from some basic stuff like, you know, if you guys who live in the cities, they're all like, oh, no, I control the fire. It's fine. I'm the powerful one. But the more powerful people live in the boonies. 
because they manifest their furies, or which is what they call their elementals. So one guy has a giant bulldog made of rock. That's just his power. And it's terrifying. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to add that to the, the read latest list. I've got 24 books in front of that, but you know, I want to get through. <laughs> the true read pile is getting bad. Like, it may crush me one day. Uh, but instead, I keep going back to series like Codex Alara and rereading them because they're great. Isn't everyone's person who reads books like Pile of Shame just like, I have a giant pile of shame, put more books on. It's a never. It's like Pretty the video much. games that you keep saying you have to play or the TV shows that you have to watch. Yeah, yeah, let's not talk about my Steam library, please. Uh, that, that's <laughs> sure. Yeah. Look, man, we can talk about mine and then you feel a lot better about yours. At some point, <laughs> we just need to set up one of those, like, the roulette things you can set up on websites. Like, just put oh, everything yeah. in the Steam library and just rule yeah. it out and just stream it just to see if we can actually play these games. See, I did that, right? Well, except playing this. <laughs> it just kept landing on games that I had no interest in and no motivation to even put on a fake face to play. See, I'd have uh, more fun with that. It was going to be bitching them out. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to our spoiler alert section and the last section of the podcast this week. Um, it, it, of course, we're going we're gonna to keep up with what we've been talking about. So you can follow us through this whole season here because B- Book of Boba Fett really really is our favorite thing right now that's out on it TV. It is the big show right now. I will only say one thing before we get ranting. It's Mighty Morphin Power Scooters. <laughs> yeah. Look, let, let, let's just... Space Vespers. It's in the middle of the episode, but it really is the thing that's like everyone's memeing on from this episode. It's when Boba goes and talks to these street kids. He's supposed to be smacking them down because they stole water from a dude. And then he decides he's going to hire them. These are supposed to be street kids. They're all huddled around a fucking drum fire when he meets them. They've supposedly been out to buy water, but now they're stealing it. They have cybernetic upgrades... So they don't quite feel like quite street kids. But the thing is, they have these primary colored, beautifully uh, like cleaned fucking space vespers. It's so <laughs> yeah. freaking shiny. Weird. Shiny as hell on Tatooine, the desert planet. It was like, so strange. I had someone uh, suggest to me a, like a, a real world parallel. Apparently there's these places in like Africa where there's these, like, mm. massively poverty-stricken towns. But there are these guys who have, like, these bright-colored suits. And, yeah. like, these these guys, like, barely eat. They live in squalor. But they have these immaculate, clean suits. And yep. he referenced that in regard to this so as a similar yeah. thing, that there it's a status symbol to have a clean, super nice speeder when you live on Dajuin, particularly in Mos Espa. I mean, I feel like if you, if you bring that to our lives, if you bring that to our lives, right, we all sort of have something that we are proud to wear or proud to own that is mm. more modern than probably the rest of the stuff we have. Mm. So, like, when I, I, mean, like, when I got yeah. my car, right, I got, I got a Toyota 86 and I made it, I upgraded the shit out of it because it would be that, is that one thing that just shines in, in my, like, my possessions. Everything else is like outdated. Like I still have a 1070 video card. Fuck's sake! Jesus Christ, man! But I have a yeah, a Rode Procaster on my desk with lots of like I have a Rode Procaster on my desk with lots of shiny lights that makes me feel slightly better about my my PC appearance. <laughs> nice. Like, Look, I, I, I do the same thing, but I have a 3D printer which just takes all my money. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I get it as a, a status symbol, and it makes sense because, you know, tattooing desert planet, to keep something nice and shiny, you have to use water to wash it. You know, that's a status symbol in and of itself. Um, to to me, the really problem is me. that they're Vespers. Yeah, no, that what was What we the thing, understand like, speeders to be in Star Wars aren't those. When you, when you can't be intimidating on a Vespa. It's very difficult. And when you're riding behind a bounty hunter straight back, uh, you know, your knees in front of you, with you know, just looking like you're on one of those little mopeds in the supermarket, I felt no indication that these guys were menacing in any way. Um, and then we had the chase scene, which felt slow to me. Yeah. So from they, several, did not feel like it was a fast chase scene. Several reviews that I've seen, um, I'll go through one of them with you, and you tell me what you think about it. But I think it was pretty spot on. So um, I've enjoyed the series so far, but episode three was a misstep for exactly one reason: the chase scene. Star Wars is usually pretty good with chase scenes, but this one was painfully slow, and the entire aesthetic of the biker gang and their Vespa scooters was not Star Wars like at all. I'm really glad I'm not the only person who thought they were Vespers. I thought I was going mad when I first watched it. Every single review says Vespers. Good. All I can imagine is that they didn't have, and I can't believe I'm going to say this since it's Disney, they didn't have the budget to do the kind of um, like screen editing to remove wheels or supports or things. Mm. So they had to do it at a slower pace to make the keyframe removal easier. But I mean, you got the speeders in there when they're tracing down the train, and there's no animation issues at all with that. But also, that's quick. in a big uh, yeah. open desert, though, where they're mm. not actually trying to like have yeah, them true. ride over debris and things. Like there were some cool things in that chasing that I did like, like when the guy gets hit by the car and he just sort of like drives up the wall because it's a speeder; it doesn't care. The thing is, the only issue I had with that part was it still felt slow. And for me, oh, that's 100%. where it smacked in as special effects and it didn't feel real. Um, yeah. That, to me, should have been a lot faster paced. Instead of having it be, oh, we're going to chase after him. Two of them, they know that area. They could easily have peeled off, cut the guy off. So they instead did of having peel chase off, off, though. They yeah. did. And then they just meet back up later and join the crew. It's like, well, why did you peel two guys off if all they're going to do is just meet up with you later? It's Honestly, really, if they really want to do it really well, it should have just been he goes off and they just keep getting in front of him, forcing him to turn down an alleyway, and eventually he just has to stop in front of Boba Fett. To me, yeah. that would have been menacing for Boba. It would have been a matter of, I'm going to stand here while my lackeys bring you back to me. That would have been great. Like, like he just walks out the front of the, the town hall and just waits. Yep. He doesn't need to go anywhere. I will admit, I did like it once he'd crashed that he just sort of like, down. That was Land, pretty yeah. nice. Um, they are using the jetpack more after the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that they did kind of fuck up with that Vespa chase as well is right at the end of it, they have the girl actually come up really fast and then like power slide in. So, But she's still in the Vespa pose. I know, but they showed that the Vespa could go fast in that one shot. So yeah. why was it not going fast the rest of the time? <laughs> I think the main issue for me is um, it's the design of the Vespers themselves because that big wide thing at the base of them, yeah, um, the the repulsive lift essentially the, that part of it. Whereas you see most other um, speeders, they're more longer and they have that nice little spike out the front of them. Like I would have really like if they made these more chopper like and you recline the chair a bit, it would have been great. Um, but because they just leaned into the Vespa thing for some reason, it feels 
off. They even put all like the multiple like rear vision mirror things on them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so goofy. It's it's an eighties like a seventies greaser gang in a future desert. Yeah. Also, from what I've seen on online, um, we all know how Boba Fett became a thing. He was a guy in the in the movies who said very little and had a great mystery motif about him. They're doing that again now with a Wookiee, and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, straight out of the comics. I can never remember what his name is, though. His just... name is like unpronounceable for me. But it's one of those things where he wanders off, and it becomes a matter of everyone's like, give us more of this guy. And he becomes the new Boba Fett for a new generation. We'll start it all again. Like a well, see, it's not quite the same because if you if someone came up to me and went, was like, oh, I really wish I knew more about the, the Wookiee, I could be like, hey, there is a comic book that he's from. You can go yeah. read that and learn more about him now. Pretty much. But yeah, he's cool. And I'm expecting him to come back. Probably going to end up working for, for Boba. Although, let's face it, the best thing that came out of that episode, and yeah, it didn't happen in this episode, but God damn it, they better fucking do it by the end of the show. Fucking Chekhov's gun this shit is the implication <laughs> that at some point, Boba will ride a Rancor. Yeah, yeah, they, they're teasing that, and I want that. Um, Although what, what, I, I find it weird, the amount of weird articles that pop up after every episode, like on Facebook, it's like, oh, you know, Book of Boba Fett wants to change the dialogue on Rancors. Like, that's yes, not good. the first time it's been done, guys. Uh, Rebels is a thing. It happened. What do you sort of see happening on the next episode, you reckon? Like, what are we going to see? Uh, we'll get a bit more of a flashback of the internal gang war, I'm assuming, uh, where he gets through the biker gang will be the main premise of that one, I think. Well, I think the big thing that'll probably happen is, well, since it seems to be two different time, the two different things are happening. In the past, the Pikes were on Tatooine and he's working with them. But in the future timeline, the Pikes are returning to Tatooine. So it seems like probably something he does in the past kicks them out and we're sort of slowly getting to the crossover point where it's like, this is how the Pikes got kicked out. This is why they're coming back. Hmm. I'm very excited. Very excited to keep this keep this alive and I'm sure you'll hear us talk about it next week, of course. Oh, yes. Of course you will. <laughs> now, going back yes, in time a little bit. Don't miss another episode of our angry ranting. <laughs> as long as they get rid of these freaking little... Oh, man. Just get rid of that gang. I don't like them. Get it, get them gone. Yeah. The gang I can deal with, it's more just if they give the ves- like the little Vespa things a bit better um, area to go with, so use them more effectively. It, they're not used for a chase scene like that. It should have been herd this idiot into a, a place and do it that way. Because they're big and chunky. They can block a fucking, like, a, a driveway. It'd be fine. Yeah. But we'll see how we go. I, I still... They're interesting. I will put them there. When they fought the Wookiee, they showed some merit. We'll just have to wait to see how the whole gang pans out. Their big thing is going to be their cybernetics, not the um, the actual fruit bikes. Yes. I mean, I just hope that the special effects get better than, you know, The Empire Strikes Back, which was in 1980, but still had better special effects than, than that last episode. I think uh, they're hedging their bets because we know Mando did very well, um, but... Boba getting his own splitter set, uh, series was always a gamble for them, just in case. Uh, so I think they're hedging their bets, going, we'll give you some budget, but we're not going to give you the Mandalorian budget. 
Well, I mean, I, I like it. I mean, it's still, we wouldn't be talking about every episode if it wasn't our favorite one. Oh, yeah, definitely. But uh, I, I believe wraps it up. I mean, uh, I, I'd say, what are we talking about next week? But I'm sure we, we are yet to really know. <laughs> All I know is we'll, we'll, we'll find something that angers us during the week and we'll rant about it for a while. I mean, we'll see how we go. I mean, something that, something that happened today, which today for us today is three weeks before your today's today. We just... This is the podcast from the past, speaking <laughs> in the future. We just uh, got put on Spotify, actually. So you guys are listening to us now being like, uh, I've already listened to three of your episodes. But for us, today is the day where we got put on Spotify. Also, props to anyone who made it through three without leaving. Well done. Yeah, the fact that yeah, you're still right. listening right now, like, yeah. uh, message us on Facebook for a free beer. <laughs> You've done well. No, We're no, so no, sorry. No, no, okay, no. not beer. <laughs> I take it back. What is something that they would message for that would be at no expense to us? I was going to say love and affection, but we don't have that. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably going to spare soul around here. I found it. We get this thing up and running, I think. I found a Chris Pie 5. I could send you tit pics, but I've mostly lost mine now. And yeah, Seth's feet pics are on OnlyFans, so we can't send those. Oh, no, yeah, that's right. we, don't, we don't want to cut into, into Seth's you know, OnlyFans. <laughs> Look, man, I don't get paid much for my job. I got to augment pay somehow. If I could make money on OnlyFans, I would. But... <laughs> Anyway, that about wraps it up here at Tangenetic episode three. Make sure you give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, any social uh, or local single near you. Just like like Tangenetic on there. Uh, From all of us here, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good night. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye.